tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches read Carry On by Rainbow Rowell and talk about it. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about chapters 30 and 31 of Carry On. All right, so chapter 30, Baz is back and he is being hella snarky to Simon in their Greek class. And he has time to give us some exposition because he is totally a rich kid who, of course, had learned the languages during his summer break. He runs us through where he's been the past month and a half. Um, Kidnapped, kept in a coffin by troll-like non-magical beings for like a month until his Aunt Fiona rescues him. After healing up for a bit, he is back at Watford. And no one at Watford, of course, knows where he's been. Back to the present, in Greek class, Simon is just leaking magic all over the place while he stares at Bass. <laughs> wow, that sounds... Ooh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I realized after I said that. Simon's got <laughs> wet-ass magic. <laughs> yeah, you fucking with some wet-ass magic. Bring a bucket and a mop. Magic. Woo! Um, <laughs> and Baz, n- noticing all of these things, is just just gives him a little bit of a sneer as a treat. <laughs> definitely as a treat. <laughs> chapter... <laughs> Woo! Chapter 31. Um, we are back in Simon's brain. And Simon has, of course, noticed how thin and pale Baz is now that he's back. He tells Penny that he's going to confront Baz. Which Penny is like, at least chill for a moment, but Simon has no chill and brushes her off to confront Baz. Finally, the boys are alone in their room together, and Baz notices immediately that Simon is not wearing his cross. They get into a heated discussion and get no answers out of each other. And when Baz eventually leaves, Simon realizes he has not told Baz about seeing his mom's ghost. Yes. And before we get into it, just a brief reminder, we are spoiling everything through the end of this book, but nothing from Wayward Son. So with that, let's get into... Easy come, easy go. Easy come, easy go. Where we talk about everything that doesn't belong anywhere else. So we're like maybe not even a paragraph into chapter 30. <laughs> it's just like, tell Simon enough snow I'm not the queen because Simon is like standing up when he walks in. <laughs> and I'm just like, you're such a little shit. It just really made me laugh. I love it so much. I know we're going to talk more about Baz later, but like, what a strong entrance 
every chapter we're getting with Baz, he's like coming in so hot. It's just really great. Yeah, all all the kids who missed uh, the drama at breakfast are getting some of it right now. Um, yeah, very happy for them. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I am just really glad to learn that they have astrology class because divination is fucking real, and I think that's rad. Yeah, I I like the information we get about the classes. Oh man, do we? I don't know. Maybe this happens in the second book. Do we get any information about like Baz and Simon's birthdays and what signs they are? Uh, Simon doesn't know what his birthday is. Right. I don't think that we know what Baz's birthday is, but I think that we can probably safely say that Baz is a Capricorn. <laughs> okay, wait. Why? Why Capricorn specifically? His just like general attitude. He just feels very Capricorn to me. He's so put together. The way that he thinks about the world is very, like, you know, ambitious. It's very... uh, (laughs) I'm genuinely asking because I'm like, I feel like I don't know really much about Capricorn as a sign. Though I should, as my, this is my moon sign. Yeah, I mean, Capricorn is just this, it's like Virgo with, like, less anxiety and more, like... (laughs) ruthlessness like lots and lots of business people are capricorns i feel like from all the cap i feel like from the astrology means whenever i see one about capricorn i i can definitely see that yeah capricorns have like really well put together like stock portfolios and (laughs) like retirement plans before age 30 like that's big capricorn energy and i just get that from baz a lot i feel like I feel like he's got water in like his moon maybe or his rising or maybe he's a Capricorn rising, but like there's water in there somewhere. Bass has like big feelings, but I just feel like he's like, there's a lot of Capricorn going on for him. All right. That was a really lo- a lovely digression about that. <laughs> At least it's more on topic than last episode where we talked about the hunger games for like two thirds of the episode. I really hope that y'all like and have also read the hunger games because yeah I, we did spend like 15 minutes talking about that at least 10 of those minutes are going to be on patreon only though <laughs> so the episode is going to be like 43 minutes long it's going to be like 12 minutes long <laughs> <laughs> sorry everyone <laughs> the we pages tried. were too short what's next uh i just want to say that bass's observation about simon where it's like how many like um, I mean, I just, and I'm like, that's what I sound like whenever I'm talking unedited. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, yep, I recognize that exact way of speaking. So, <laughs> which again leads me to believe I would not be a very good magician in this world. <laughs> <laughs> I I will say, though, that you clearly get a lot of very well put together well reasoned sentences out given that we have brilliant and wonderful discussions for hours on end so i don't think you're again don't think you're giving yourself enough credit (laughs) (sighs) just sometimes you know you have to be more mindful about the likes and then it's fine yeah 
I mean, apparently the advice they give is just to not say those things and to just get to your point. But I feel like I need the... I need to, like, talk through it in order to say it out loud. So someone would just, like, the like is just stalling for time when my brain catches up. <laughs> so. I mean, stopping saying like is why I pause so much when I'm talking, which I've been told gives people who are talking to me anxiety. So I'm not sure that's better. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> so what I'm hearing is there really is no winning. There's no winning. Although I guess in terms of podcast editing, it's easier to edit out silences. (laughs) If you could just pause between the word and the like and the next word, as long as it's not attached to the words on either side, it's no big deal. All right. I think I can work on that. Because I have to cut out either the silence or the like. Fair. That doesn't make any difference. Anyway. I hope everyone's enjoyed this behind the scenes of making a podcast where we edit a lot. This is why we're never doing a live show. People will be like, the fuck? Is this what you guys sound like? I don't know. I Maybe if we did like a sort of a very structured live show. Yes. With like cue cards and like... <laughs> we just write a script point. and practice it I mean, time. honestly, yeah, I, d- that's I don't fair. see why not. Elocution. No, something. Simon blustering. That's where we are. Yeah. So it's your turn. So I just want to talk about the fact that I really like Simon. I really like him as a person. We get a lot of that in these two chapters. Reasons that I just think that Simon is a very lovely human. This information from Baz about how what little control Simon has over his magic he uses to protect people. That moment where... He's freaking out about Baz and Penny brings up what's going on politically and says that she's worried about her brother and Simon immediately switches gears and is like, I'm sorry, can I do anything? What a good friend. I know. He's immediately like, do we need to go like save him? And I'm like, oh, Simon. Yeah. I like that he pushes back against Penny when she says that bullshit about gay people having an unfair advantage. Wait, does that, does that happen in this chapter? Yeah. How did I skip that? What the fuck? Uh, it's about Trixie being able to have sex with her girlfriend. And Penny's like, gay people have an unfair advantage. And Simon's like, only when it comes to seeing their significant others. Yeah, only in this literally specific situation. <laughs> yeah. And then we get that little thing where he like calls Fiona a bitch and then like takes the time to clarify to us that he doesn't like to use that word and he uses it very intentionally and meaningfully and like this is why I think that it applies in this particular situation. I just am like, Simon, you're such a good feminist. Like you're such a good friend. You're just doing a great job of being a human. I really like you. I know. Oh, maybe... Maybe Simon is a Taurus. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? He is very stubborn. Also, he loves his... I mean, part of it is because of the abuse, but his creature comforts. Mm-hmm. He loves to eat. He loves to sleep in feather bed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Simon deserves all of the coziness and delicious food. Yeah, let's call it. All right, I'm here for that. Oh, God. That means that our three main characters are the three Earth signs. Because Penny's a Virgo. Though potentially she's a Scorpio with a Virgo rising. We don't know which is which. 
uh, I need folks to, after this podcast, if you want to learn more about astrology, go buy Chang Nichols' book, Write the Fuck Now, not on Amazon. <laughs> Use an independent bookseller, preferably a black-owned one, and read about astrology, and then come back to us. Yes. Please. Yes, please. <laughs> uh, what if someday we can get Chani Nicholas to guest with us to like talk about the astrology of the characters in this book? Wouldn't that be so cool? Um, that would be awesome. I don't know how we would do that, but that'd be incredible. Just incessantly tweet at her like people <laughs> with self confidence. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, if any of you have self-confidence, you aggressively tweeted Jenny Nicholas <laughs> about coming to guest with us. Oh, jeez. Oh. <laughs> uh. It's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> My last easy come, easy go is <laughs> about... Garrett, the kid with the magical bell buckle. <laughs> if that were me, I'd be so pissed. I'm like, I'd be like, can we just get me a wand instead? Why doesn't he put it on a necklace? Right? Or on like a... It doesn't have to be on a belt. They come off of the belts. Maybe a nice like leather wrist strap action thing. Total- yeah, that's so like goth he could get into wearing black kilts right that's a whole aesthetic it's very goth red affair aesthetic yeah at least the, in the like middle LAR- larper goth yeah you know yeah yeah but like also like i like how this talks about the awkwardness of having to be in class with this kid and i'm just like can someone should stop him <laughs> that should not be allowed the teacher should have intervened way at the beginning or the first year when they're like all right, can you wear this literally somewhere else besides on your belt? Yes. Put it on a hat. <laughs> or they have to wear boaters. That would be weird. I mean, literally anything. I would be like, can if this feels like sexual harassment, can we not? Can I not partner with this kid? Totally. That's how I would feel. I'm with you. It's ridiculous. Uh, everything about this is wrong and bad, and I... I'd be so angry at my family if they were like, oh, you got in a wand ferret, here you go. I'd have been like, no, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> How do I make a wand or a magical artifact to channel my magic? I'll just do it myself. Thanks. I'm good. I'm good. Mm-hmm. With you. I also am done. So let's go to... I see a little silhouette of a man where we talk about character development because we've met, we've like really solidly met Baz now. You know, we got a couple of good chapters in of his POV and of mm-hmm. course where he's been, he's been kidnapped and about his kidnap and subsequent rescue, which ends up does revealing a lot about him and his family, his still living family, I guess I should say. Mm-hmm. I should clarify. Yeah, he's, um, he's kind of a jerk. <laughs> Baz is mm, pretty bigoted. He's such and a dick. yet I love him, <laughs> which is dick. very weird. <laughs> he's such an asshole. He is. 
do not like the way he talks about the Minotaur at all. No. Not even a tiny bit. And yet I'm like still so horny for him. And I'm like, wow, look what we can do with good writing. I don't know. This is <laughs> very yeah. interesting. Yeah. I also I what I I think what I really like is that we also get such a good sense of we get more of this as the book progresses of just like what a rich asshole he is. Mm. Like he gets kidnapped outside of his tennis club in his tennis whites, which what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Also very hilarious to imagine him in like the little sweatband and like the out and the whole outfit. It's true. <laughs> but then like he gets rescued and he's like skeletal and it's like a gross. I don't know. It's it's very funny to me that like yeah he goes to some like exclusive club probably full of like investment bankers and like shit to like play tennis and just like who just does that on their summer break besides ridiculous rich people. It is, uh, the club is only for magical people. Oh, do we get that? Mm-hmm. It's, I feel like it's sort of their only, you know, group recreation area where all of them go. But I don't think that Penny's family goes. Agatha's family does. So I think it is still, even within the, like, only magic community, I think it's still very, like, exclusive and White. full of wankers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sort of, like old money white people mm-hmm. even though like people of color have lived in the uk for several hundred years and it's... baz is a person of color yeah okay you're right that's fire so uh, is fiona that's true she's his mom's sister you, you you know what you're right you know what i was thinking about in terms of baz's tennis whites is that i feel like most people look real goofy in that <laughs> And I feel like when I imagine Baz in it, I'm like, you fucker, you're pulling that off. And I think that that's part of what draws me to Baz. Even though I probably would have a very hard time being around him, IRL, because he's a real ass. He, he's just so like, flawless. <laughs> and it's hot. <laughs> it's a hot quality. It's also like, it's like flawless, but it's also sort of like hashtag flawless, where it's like, he probably does literally like wake up just looking like completely like perfect and handsome. And you're just like, but how? Mm-hmm. He's like 17 years old and already putting on like night cream. You know, he's got all his little tubes on the bathroom sink. Yeah, it's like night cream, like really fancy hair shit that's made out of like, I don't know, rare botanicals. It's made out of bergamot and cedar, in fact. It is made out of. You're, you're, you know what? That's that's so true. <laughs> what was I about to say? His beauty regimen. <laughs> it actually wasn't about his beauty, his beauty regimen, but yeah, he definitely has just so much fancy, expensive shit that he like does with his hair and his skin. That I'm just like, that is. I just like imagine that like if he had like an Instagram. He'd have like two million followers, and you'd just be like, "How are how is your skin? How is your skin this clear? I don't understand." Mm-hmm. And it's like, "Oh, it's wealth. <laughs> that is <laughs> that is the way you can look when you have a lot of money to like pour into your skincare regimen, and like you've never missed a meal a day in your life, you know." Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. I guess what I was gonna say though is that like one of the met- one of the joys of fiction is being able to 
enjoy characters who like IRL, you'd be like, I would never, ever want to interact with you. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. Baz is into cars, apparently, which is an interesting thing for a teenager to be into like classic cars, especially a gay teenager. Yeah, fair, gay teenager. But I feel like classic cars is a thing that teenagers like. I actually went to look up what kind of car Fiona drove, but I didn't get that far. Yeah, I didn't even think to do it. But, I mean, just, I don't know. Which people love classic cars. So, I'm sure there's like a garage full of classic cars on the pitch family land somewhere. That's true. Um, I also, another thing that I think about that's interesting about Baz in terms of like, like dualities or whatever that that are interesting is that Baz is the top of his class. Like he, he loves school. He loves it and he's very good at it and he's cool. And usually those things don't go together. And so I think that's also like really speaks to sort of how, you know, put together and whatever he is that he can, that he can, be perceived by other teenagers as being a cool kid and also put that much time and energy into his studies. I know some of it is that he doesn't really have to because some of it he's learning in the summers, right? Like he lists, you know, half of his classes that he doesn't actually have to do any work for. But that doesn't really change sort of the general attitude towards someone like a prefect or a valedictorian of like, you know, what kind of kid that is. And Baz is breaking that mold, just stomping it into the ground with his, like, stylish boots, uh, which I think is also very interesting. I think he's a very interesting character. Yeah, I, I love later on when he gets roped in with Simon and Penny about Baz and Penny, like, nerding out. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like... Oh, so you're like you're like a you're like you're a nerd, but you're just kind of like a secret nerd where you probably don't tell anyone else about like your like love of like history and shit and like freak out about it because you realize that like doing so would make you an uncool nerd and not like an aloof, beautiful, popular kid who plays, mm-hmm. you know, who is really good at sports, probably, you know, he is very good at sports. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean. I just, I mean, I'm a sucker for a, like, character with a, like, icy cold exterior and a, like, you get, you know, you get however little or much past that exterior to their, like, warm, gooey center. And I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. Give that to me. <laughs> I love it. Yes. <laughs> and that is, like, basically <laughs> what Bass is. Oh. Also, also, closeted nerds. I'm like, yes. I mean, also, he's closeted, closeted, apparently, so. I mean, apparently, yes, he is closeted, closeted at this point, which, my baby. Yeah. That's what I have about him. Do you have anything else? I actually don't have anything else. So we can go on to Aunt Fiona. Fiona, Fiona Pitch. (laughs) Another person who I'm like, I hate you, but I love you. Oh, man, just... I love her so much, and she's such a fucking disaster. And she's also just so hilariously mean to Baz when she comes to rescue. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she is 
Whew. She's full of it. I mean, speaking of characters who have zero chill. <laughs> just. And someone being like, yes, yeah, she just shows up and breaks into the headmaster's office. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she like murders those numpties without a second fucking thought. I don't and I, I think it's interesting because she also is, you know, very wealthy and comes from this very powerful family. And she is clearly rebelled against that in this way that's so intriguing to me because she's still so in the fold of it. Yeah. You know, she's like punk rock and like dates normals and like swears like a normal and wears Doc Martens and whatever. But she at least some of the time like lives with Baz's parents and like you know is so invested in like the family politics and like the family war so she I don't know it's sort of like what were you rebelling against because you clearly are sort of into being a pitch I mean it might just be her raging against I mean maybe people like outside of the family not necessarily like inside because like she's still a mess about her sister's death and you know she's just sort of like not really dealing with it seemingly at all because i mean they don't the fine doesn't like talk about this humongous traumatic event <laughs> right and so and like i don't know maybe i guess if if i had to say i would maybe think it was maybe about the other like rich old powerful families who are like viewing her like a certain kind of way to be like what young men like broken up about like the you know the murder of her sister and she's like fuck and maybe she's just like fuck all you guys and like maybe she's also maybe a raging raging a little bit against herself too mm. that's true yeah she's just sort of on a self-destructive path and it seems like she's kind of their their wild card that they can pull for things like that because it's like well that's just fiona like you can't blame the old families for her behavior because she's just, you know, the weirdo, but also is totally doing our bidding. Right. And that's why I'm like, so she's, she's just like rolling up to the school and like breaking into the headmaster's office and they're like, guess that's cool. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I still love her deeply as no, a I love her too. Uh... Also, so. especially because we know that she's the only person that Baz is out to, I think. Or he might be out to his whole family, but she's the only one who, like, accepts him. Yeah. He's out to his dad. I think he just ignores it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, speaking of Baz's family, shall we go talk about politics? We shall. Welcome to Face the Truth, where we talk about things that are fucked up and politics, which are often the same thing. That's what I say. <laughs> Whew, having two podcasts is hard. <laughs> uh, yeah, we get a lot of information about the pitches, which I guess like the whole the Minotaur had to work on the grounds when Baz's mom was headmaster thing is not specifically about her, but like she didn't change that fact. So it kind of is about her. Yeah. That's like pretty big fucked up thing, I think. Yeah, definitely a like 
just straight up maintaining the status quo, especially since now the Minotaur is their Greek teacher. And I'm like, that sounds like hard as, I mean, I guess if you natively speak Greek, which the Minotaur probably does, it's kind of like, so like all this time could have been teaching Greek, but instead it's like raking the leaves and shit. Like, come on y'all. Yeah. Like come the fuck on. Yep. That there's also that thing where Baz says creatures weren't allowed on staff, which is an interesting word to use to describe your professor. Uh, yeah, and also a person. Right. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, obviously some real serious magical bigotry that just is going unexamined probably for generations mm-hmm. so i also want to say that it's like very interesting and like kind of fucked up that bez's family just like left him to like be in this coffin for a month because they're like oh we're actually not gonna pay up this ransom we're just gonna wait until like one of us can find you and it's like what the fuck yeah and baz is like i'm the like only living heir, heir to this family which, I mean, okay, like, that's his complaint. My complaint is that you left this child to be kidnapped for a whole month, having no idea what was happening to him or in, like, what state. And you're just like, we're fucking rich. We're not going to fucking pay up. Are you fucking kidding me? It's um real terrible. It's real terrible that Baz gets over it so quickly. And... Feel like the fact that the Pitch family has like an official policy on paying <laughs> ransom <laughs> is also a problem. <laughs> like, what are you all doing? Why are you getting kidnapped so often? Why are people still kidnapping you if you have a formal policy on never paying ransoms? This is just a whole, a whole thing. I think that this may be a super rich people thing to be worried about kidnappings and stuff, though, right? If movies are to be, if movies and television are to be, are to be believed, which they're not, but <laughs> I maybe, but it's not like I mean, she says pitches never pay ransom, which is like there is precedent for this, oh, yeah. and not just like we've discussed it and we would not pay a ransom. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense there also might have been previous kidnapping attempts in previous generations if they're, like, basically magical royalty. Because, like, I'm sure a lot of people will hate them and have hated them. Yeah. You know? For good reason. <laughs> yes, for, go- for good reason. But I guess I'm just also confused on, like, how. Just because I'm, like, Baz had his phone on. You could have just, like, literally just used, like, find a friend to, like, find out where the fuck he was. Wasn't this, like, 2005? Was there GPS in 2005? Uh, Copyright 2015. Huh. I guess maybe the Numpties knew enough to turn off location services. That sounds like a stretch. I guess they never say where he is. If he's in a place maybe where it's, like, shitty cell service. But the Numpties are calling the Pitch family, but maybe they're going elsewhere to make the calls. Maybe. I mean, yeah. I know there's places where my map doesn't work, but, like, my phone does if you're, like, in the middle of nowhere. So, right. So, yeah. So there, may, there must not be a very good, like, 
It must be easy to block a location spell or a, like, find a person spell. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Inconsistencies. That's a very good point. Uh, so what did you think of this line from Fiona where uh, Baz's dad wanted to pay the ransom and she says that she knew her sister had scraped bottom when she married a Grimm. Even though the Grimms are, like, also old blood, old money, like, magical royalty. It's like, whoa. That was my reaction. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Who the fuck are they supposed to marry then? Like, are they just marrying their cousins? I mean, maybe. So, I guess... And I feel like part of it is probably just... (laughs) Fiona being the worst. Um, But maybe it's like... I guess it's not in this chapter. It must be later in the book where Baz mentions that, like, the Grimm's were, like, farmery, agriculture-y types. So maybe yeah. it's, like, you know, the the pitchers were, like, have been in London since fucking the Romans and, like, the Grimm's have been just being wealthy landover farmers. I mean, it's, like, one of those, like, weird country city things. Because, mm. like, I can't really think of anything else because it's, like, right, you still have... A fuck ton of money and power. But maybe you're just like fucking farmers. And I'm like, you guys, they don't farm. They probably just own farms because they're fucking rich. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Like if you like have always lived in the city and you're like, well, we own like 20 fucking properties in London, which is hella, you know, hella expensive. They're probably like, oh, fucking. And I feel that would, I feel that's something that Fiona would be like, like fucking farmers, even though it's like not at all what's happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes, I guess, sense. I mean... She's such a jerk. Yeah. (laughs) She is such a jerk. And I don't know. Maybe she also just feels some kind of way about Baz's dad marrying someone else. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, also, she's, like, angry at everything. (laughs) She is. (laughs) Her continuously yelling that only... People who haven't been kidnapped by numpties can sit in the front seat. Fiona's an Aries. Fight me. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yep, she sure sure is. Such an Aries. (laughs) Oh, I love her so much. Yep. Um... Can we talk a little bit about how Baz's family, like, didn't want him to return to school? Mm Mm-hmm. They're like, there's a war. And he's like, there's always a fucking war. And I'm like, but what are you going to do at, in your fucking giant castle? Like, what the fuck's he going to do? Like, send him the fuck to school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just interesting because at this point, it's like, not even super been articulated what even the fuck this war is about, besides it involving the mage being a complete asshole. Right. Yeah, I'm, I was curious about like, what, what, they wanted Baz to do if he had stayed home or if it was more just like, we don't trust you, like we don't trust in your safety were you to go be around the mage or like what exactly the reasoning behind that was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also like kind of feel like the old families fundamentally misunderstand the definition of the word war. So I'm like, if no one knows 
what's happening. I don't think you're having a war. <laughs> yeah. I think you're having perhaps a feud. <laughs> but like, if no one's like killing each other, I don't think you're at war yet. You know what? I have to, I, I totally agree. It's like they're being mildly inconvenienced and they're like, this is a war. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you hear something? Right. They're like, he kidnapped you. And it's like, yeah, that's bad. That's a thing that could escalate to a war, but that is not a war. Yeah. Especially because at this point, they only, they can only speculate that the mage is behind it. And it's right. not like he sent them a photo of Baz in a coffin being like, fuck you guys or something. Right. It's also, it doesn't even sound like the rest of the family even necessarily suspects the mage. It's just Fiona who is like the boy who cried wolf with blaming the mage for things. Unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she's not wrong, but she's not wrong, but you know, you got to rein it in Fiona so that when you say it, you really mean it. Uh, so I want to talk about memory charms. Uh, Cause okay. they spell the nanny innocent when she figures out too much about, you know, magic or whatever. And it's like, a of all, just hire a fucking magical nanny. Surely there are people who would work for you. B of all, that's so unethical. That is terrible. Don't do that. I feel like this just tells me so much about, like, who... Well, kind of tells me so much about who Baz's family is. But, like, honestly, I can imagine Penny's family doing that and also thinking that it's, like, a fine thing to do to someone because there's just this general attitude of, I don't know, normals are for, like, patting on the head and going, like, oh, you're sweet. Oh, what's the harm in violating someone's mind? Right. It's fucked up. Yeah, and that, like, can't can't be great for anyone's brain. They have that happening over and over again. Right? Yeah, I don't know. It does seem weird where it's, like, there's, there's not magical babysitters like is that just not good enough i don't know i guess it's this family is so like private and like secret and whatever that they want someone who can't spill their secrets to their community yeah um but i just feel like find a magical person from like france <laughs> to, you right. know are, are there not any other people in your family you could be like can you like watch this kid yeah, but they wouldn't, like, nanny. You know, yeah. nannies are for, like, wealthy people who don't have time for their children. That's true. In this context. hmm Yeah. Yeah, and I guess they wouldn't, like, definitely, because of their bigotry, wouldn't want anyone who was partially non-human magical being to right. nanny. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, if they're going to be, like, your live-in person... You could probably find someone from, like, one of your neighboring countries who is magical, who, like, you know, needs a summer job or whatever, and then is going to, like, go back to France. And so they're never going to, like, integrate into yeah. your community and potentially spill your secrets. Yeah. Anyway, don't do memory charms to people. It's bad. <laughs> Not a good idea. Even if you do tell them that you're in the mafia, like, which I'm like, what? <laughs> do they uh, this is a silly question do they have the mafia in the uk Probably. i actually was wondering the same thing i don't know i mean surely it's not just in the u.s 
Yeah, but I I think that a lot of the popular culture idea of the mafia that we all know is from the U.S. Maybe she just watches a lot of movies. She's seen a lot of movies and she's like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're just like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're like, oh, we have to take our summer trip to Italy for reasons. <laughs> Be back in a week, Vera. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, okay, what's next? Um, I don't like have anything specific, but did you want to talk about Penny's concern about her brother and the mage? I mean, I have that, but it's just like question marks. Like, what is the mage up to? What is Primal up to? Like, what's going on? We don't know anything. Yeah. So I guess it's just sort of, this is happening. We'll find out later, maybe. Yeah, and it's kind of like, it's definitely, at this point, the way that Penny talks about how, like, her brother isn't returning uh, her mom's calls, it gives you a little bit of a, like, weird, like, vaguely culty vibe. Mm -hmm. Like, you know they already all wear, like, the same ridiculous robin hood shopping at the army surplus supply store vibe and like now like he's not even like reaching out to the family you're kind of just like are are you in a cult (laughs) you know what's interesting is that i don't know where a lot of the information that lives in my brain comes from and so sometimes we talk about things on the show and then i'm like i said that with so much authority considering that i have no idea where i learned it and then i'll like spend five hours like researching things to make sure that i was right and almost always I was (laughs) but so we've like talked more than once about like the mage being a weather underground dude and then the other night I was like do I actually know what I think I know about the weather underground (laughs) like is this a thing um I started reading the wikipedia article and it was like oh they were like endorsed by like the black panthers and like these other really great organizations and I was like oh no oh no like mayday and then I like got down further and it was like and as they went on like they started not letting couples be coupled because like monogamy was an enemy of you know the people and they like forced women to do whatever and like basically it was like it devolved into a cult and everyone had to do these like terrible things and they were forced to all live together and I was like oh great I do know what I'm talking about (laughs) Um, and so I feel like if we're rolling with that analogy, the answer is yes. Like, obviously the mage is getting to that point in his cult of like starting to control every aspect of the lives of the people who are working for him because, you know, and using his, his influence and his like charisma or whatever to be like, Oh, you know, having ties to your, your family of origin is like, proof that or you're like playing into the you know the system of nepotism and blah 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 blah. right or it's like oh you know their eyes haven't been open like ours like you know like they're still hiding and it's just like yeah yeah you can't trust anyone but me and the other people in this cult and it's like cool yeah (laughs) so just a little bit of uh just seeding that in for us to know about some growing problems with the mages marry men mm-hmm. yeah my last thing in face the truth is just that simon lets us know that he knows that he's gonna have to kill baz someday 
which who okay wow that's a thing yeah it's like bro you're not a vampire slayer you probably don't have to kill baz like what he got that from somewhere though i guess because this is gonna be a war or something and they're gonna have to fight i don't know fight for the throne i don't i don't understand like what's happening in this world but i'm sure it's some bullshit that he's like sort of maybe like the mage has probably dropped some hints and he's like oh fuck i gotta kill i gotta kill bats and it's like dude you're you're a child you don't you don't have to kill your roommate like what yeah Welcome to Caught in a Landslide, where we rant about stuff. Like Baz being in a coffin for six weeks. A poor child. I just like imagining him getting like styrofoam cups with a like bendy straw full of like miscellaneous blood. And I'm like, a poor child. I, you know, am incredibly claustrophobic. I, like, I don't. I've been trying to come up with a way in my head that this can be less upsetting than, like, I think that it is. But I, like, is he closed in there all the time? Because he would run out of air. So is, like, the top half of the coffin open? Like, is he upright? What's going on? Are they letting him out to use the bathroom? Probably not. He can't be closed all the way in. He would suffocate, right? I guess, so, I mean, here's what I think. Like, I don't think he's, like, I mean, they haven't, like, buried him. He's clearly just, like, in a box somewhere. hmm I'm going to assume with, like, crosses or whatever the fuck somehow to, like, make sure he doesn't run away when they when they feed him. Or, or, like, I don't know, maybe he's, like, tied up. It's very confusing to be, like, well, what is what is constraining him from just, like, killing them all whenever they feed him, you know? So it's got to... It's got to be some shit like that, I guess. I mean, he didn't have his wand, so how would he kill them? That's true. Could have just kicked them in the head. I don't know. He's stronger than regular people. That's true. I mean, even even if he's not in the ground, like, coffins are watertight. So there's limited air in there. So he can't have been... Maybe it's a very cheap coffin. Okay. I mean, I do in my head imagine, like, a Dracula coffin, like, shaped like... You know, yeah. whatever shape that is, a hexagon. Yeah. And I guess, so like, maybe if, like, so there's, like, you know, like, there's there's two lids on a coffin. So, right. like, if they have, like, the top part, like, not totally down, then, like, he probably won't suffocate. And if they're feeding him, they're at least opening part of him to be, like, here is this cup. Right. So. Um, no matter what, it sounds really terrible. Yeah, no, it sounds pretty awful. And shitty very shitty baz is gonna be fucked up for so long oh my poor ptsd baby yeah yep that's what i got on that uh i have a bit of a lighter note okay actually i think all my things are a bit lighter (sighs) i want to talk a little bit about the minotaur okay and just sort of about the like the little bit of the Hagrid vibes we get from the Minotaur where it's like you were once working on the grounds because we're bigoted pieces of shit but 
now you're teaching because you have valuable uh, real life knowledge that we want to teach the students. And it's like, oh. Yeah. I mean, even if like people like Baz are probably like pieces of shit. I don't know. Probably a lot of other kids or the other kids who are like not pure blood magicians are probably like rad. Mm-hmm. Being taught Greek by a minotaur. That seems cool. Yeah, I mean, if he's a competent teacher, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. I was curious about the Minotaur because, like, I don't know, where did he come from? How did he come to, like, work on the Watford grounds? Is he a child of Zeus? Like, (laughs) what's going on here? Yeah, I guess I assume that Minotaur is a species as opposed to, like, there being, like, one Minotaur. There's probably other minotaurs okay are they living in like a minotaur colony and like why did he leave how did he come to be at watford maybe this belongs and is this just fantasy (laughs) why did you leave your herd of minotaur right i just want to teach oh yeah he's like rebelling (laughs) i just want to be a teacher it's like but daddy i love him but (laughs) <laughs> I don't want to have to hang out in a fucking maze. I just want to. <laughs> <laughs> the only other rant I had was well, not really a rant, but like, so the mage is forcing Simon to stay roommates with Baz because he wants Simon to keep an eye on Baz, which led me to the question of did the mage tamper with the crucible? Hmm. I don't know. I guess I was kind of viewing it as, like, maybe the Crucible being a thing that you maybe don't, like, you can, like, fuck with like that? Because it's supposed to be, like, super old. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it would be in any way easy to tamper with it. And, you know, Simon and Baz seem to also be, like, soulmates or something, so maybe the Crucible just knew that. But, so maybe you think the mage just, like, lucked out with that. I think he lucked out with that. Because, I mean, it would be easier if they weren't roommates. So then Simon, say, could have killed Baz as, like, a fifth year. Because, like, there isn't the protection of being roommates. I'm going to change the subject abruptly. There are boys' dorms and girls' dorms at Watford. What if trans kids get outed by the Crucible? Oh, no! By who they get paired with? Shit, I didn't think about that. And there's, like, three non-binary kids just, like, wandering around, like, oh, no. I mean, they just they ended up building new dorms. Maybe there's, like, the non-binary dorm. Maybe. But I feel like, I mean, I'm going to come in strongly in the camp of this ancient magical object recognizes your actual gender and not your assigned gender. And so a trans kid would get paired with a kid of their true gender. And so what if you were outed to yourself by who you were paired with? I'm about to say that could be a shock if maybe you yourself don't know yet. Yeah. Or like hadn't verbalized it. Or maybe you didn't want to tell other people and now you're like, oh, I guess everyone at school knows now. Or like you, you didn't know. And then, like, both of you are just standing there like, shit, which one of us is it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's actually, that would be perfect. I would, 
I would read a whole book of that. I would also. <laughs> the wacky hijinks of the two kids that have no idea. Oh my god, they get fun out together. Oh my god. Okay, new headcanon accepted. I love that. Oh, so interesting. Someone write us some fanfic. I want it. <laughs> oh, maybe I should make a note. I could I could put it on my fanfic list. Yeah, for Patreon. Do it. All right. So my thing about the Crucible is the way that it... The feeling that Simon describes where it's like a... Like it's like a hook in his stomach and he's like sort of like magnetically drawn towards Baz. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a romance trope and I'm here for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Especially because the like, and they were roommates already is itself a a romance trope that I'm also like here for. And I mean, also so is Rainbow Rowell and as that is part of their romance in this book is they are roommates. Right. I just, that's all. It's just a very... (laughs) It's a very lovely romance. It just just feels like very romantic and I'm like, oh. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it feels like to be around your crush when you're deeply in crush on someone. So That's true. Yep, with you on that. Welcome to Send Shivers Down My Spine, where we talk about sexy stuff. Uh, I actually don't have anything, but I'm sure I will agree with several of yours. <laughs> As, uh, all right, let's see. We've got several, several lines. Uh, you pointed out Baz turning his head just enough to let Simon see his lip curl. <laughs> Baz. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I know. It's like... (laughs) It is like... It is such a sexy line. Yeah. It's like, you're such... And he knows exactly what it's doing to Simon, too. Such a a flirt. Even though he's, like, antagonizing him. But I'm just like... Uh, Simon tells us that he wants to run Baz down, knock him over, and figure it all out. It's like, you sure, you sure do. <laughs> Simon! <laughs> it's, like, it's like, you don't even hear yourself at this point, kid, do you? <laughs> he does not. No. Oh, man. Okay, and then, and then, no. First... Simon spends a bit of time describing the way that Baz's eyes look like the sea, which is like, Simon, like that is the gayest thing anyone has ever said. (laughs) You never describe someone's eyes looking like the sea if you're not in love with them. Like, come on, buddy. He's like, his eyes are the wrong color. They look like wet cement. They should look like the sea. And you're like... Yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like it's basically at the level where he, like, hears a love song and he thinks of Baz, but he, like, doesn't realize it. Because that's, like, where that, that's, like, where that is basically right at the level of. <laughs> right. He's like, I was singing along and then I must have gotten distracted because I started thinking about <laughs> Baz playing soccer. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, mm-hmm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, so, and then, and then, speaking of Simon's just, like, subconscious, just ruling his life, he's like, oh, I decided to take a shower and shave before Baz got back, you know, just for convenience sake Mm -hmm. or something, and it's like, this is what you do when, like, your partner's on the way home from the grocery store and you're hoping to have sex when they get home. You're like, oh, oops, I just am in my towel. Right? What a, what a coincidence that right. that lined up with you arriving home just now. And Simon's <laughs> like, I shaved, during which I always cut myself, making blood happen, and my roommate, who I'm not in love with, is a vampire. Let me just real quick shave right now. Yeah. Seems important. Yeah, like, he basically, like, and he's, like, just comes out in, like, his pajama bottoms and the towel. I'm, like, you're basically just offering yourself up to beds at this point. Right. He's, like, I'm wet. I'm bleeding. I'm shirtless. (laughs) Why is Baz looking at me like that? And you're, like, are you choking Simon Snow? Yeah. (laughs) Come on. Yeah. And then the scene where he puts his cross on. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's, like. And I, I, I love the tension of the scene because it's like, Simon doesn't know it, but I'm like, Baz, I want you to put your cross on so he doesn't jump you immediately right now. Yes. Like, you are bleeding and, like, dripping with, like, water droplets and, like, shirtless. You are you have basically put yourself on a platter for him. And, like, the fuck, like... <laughs> I'm gonna read it. Yeah, read it. I hurry over to my bed and dig it out, but I don't put it on. Instead, I walk around Baz and stand in his space until he has to look up at me. He does. His teeth are clenched and his head is tipped back into the side like he's just waiting for me to make the first move. I hold the cross out with both hands. I want him to acknowledge what it is, what it means. Then I lift it up over my head and let it settle gently around my neck. My eyes are locked on Baz's, and he doesn't look away, though his nostrils flare. I know. Simon's like, oh, this is going to be a... I'm showing him. It's like, yeah, what are you showing him? Yeah. Yeah. Like, right. Like, this is... This is this could basically be the beginning of a, like, porno that's happening. And Simon's just like, this is about finding out where he's been. It's like, uh-huh. Right. I mean, right. Simon is about to, like, top Vampire Baz and be like, you know, stuff his cross in his mouth until Baz begs for mercy in a good way. Like, we all know where this is going. Except Simon. (laughs) And it's, like, too bad that, like, he didn't realize, because then they could have saved themselves, like, 400 pages of heartache (laughs) and, like, sexual tension. Truly. Truly. Yeah, okay, well, so that's that's the sexy section for this week. We get we get so much good sexual tension. Yeah, that whole scene is just... Mm-hmm. And then it just, like, ends so, lol, anticlimactically, where, the, like, Simon being like, I'm just gonna do my homework at my desk. And it's like, what is happening? How do you walk away from this tension? We're just being like, oh, I guess I'm gonna open my book and do some great homework like what yep i mean i guess homework is probably the best thing for calming those escalating feelings yeah i'm sure definitely sounds like uh 
re- real unexciting thing to be happening. <laughs> yes. Ah. <laughs> uh. uh. All right, welcome to Is This Just Fantasy, where we talk about magic and science and magical science and video games, because numpties are gorons. <laughs> and, uh, and entomology, because I did also look up if a numpty is a real word, and it is, it turns out, as someone who is foolish or stupid. Mm-hmm. And also it's Scottish slang for a very similar vod. But yes, numpties are gorons. But like small, maybe? Yeah, how... I I guess Link is a kid when we first meet the gorons, so I'm not sure how big they really are. I guess I just mean the ones in the the numpties in the book. I guess I just envision them being like small. I don't know. Oh. Maybe that's not huh. real. I don't know. I don't know. I, I imagine them being person, person height. Adult whatever anyway but yeah i i can't imagine that this isn't just like straight up like rainbow rowell was thinking about gorons when she wrote the numpties because like the gorons complain about being cold they complain about being tired when they're not standing up talking to you they look like rocks yeah they eat rocks mm-hmm. they right they just they are like yeah. i think that they like Someday, someday, I'm putting it on the list for questions that we're going to ask her, including, does she like Torchwood? <laughs> and <laughs> are these intentionally modeled after characters from Zelda? Mm-hmm. I really hope so. <laughs> I hope so, too. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I, can't, I can't wait for whatever day it is that we really get into how great uh, Ocarina of Time is. We just do it, like, periodically throughout the podcast. Yeah. I need a way to play video games. Anyway, what do you have first in uh, in this section? Oh, uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, elocution, which is one of the classes that Baz mentions that he doesn't matter that he missed a month of because he's good. Uh, and it is the skill of clear and expressive speech, especially of distinct pronunciation and articulation. Which is an excellent class to have if you are a magician that uses magic words because it's Mm -hmm. important to be able to enunciate and express those magical words. I don't know why we don't see this more often in series about magical schools, I guess. So also like why they don't teach us beyond like elementary school. IRL? Yeah. I think kids in like drama programs take elocution and potentially like it's part of like debate. Classes. Yeah, I guess I was thinking it's probably like part of debate. It would make sense for like theater folks, especially if you're like doing like Shakespeare. You mm-hmm. know, being able to pronounce Shakespearean language is pretty important. Yeah, I think that's the only context I had ever heard of it in outside of this book was yeah, theater programs. So I don't know. It seems really useful as someone who has a hard time pronouncing words, <laughs> especially words I've only ever read and never have heard pronounced. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. Just another. I feel like if you're gonna go to a magical school, Watford might might be the magical school to go to. That's yes. Mm-hmm. It's a good school with a good program. <laughs> this is, you're getting a quality education at Watford. I just want 
want y'all to know this. <laughs> like, I would go to Watford and just eat everything covered in butter and go to my classes. This sounds great. Yeah. The outfits, the uniforms, yeah, not so much. Not but so much. That, you know, that and the mirror wolves are really the only two downsides. As long as you weren't in, like, Simon's class, it's probably real chill. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I want to just talk about magical instruments generally. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we learn about belt buckles and rings and wands. Mm -hmm. I want to know when and how new ones are created. Because, like, families get bigger over time. There's only so many heirlooms that can be passed down. So, like, you have to be able to make new ones. So that's one question. And then I like also just dislike the whole like blood connection thing because like what about adopted kids? Do they not have a useful magical instrument? Or is this just a myth that this society believes that it has something to do with blood? Because like Mm. Simon is actually blood connected to his wand. That's not his problem. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. A lot of questions. A lot of questions. Because they sort of act like these things just like come down from the ether is making a magical instrument and lost art is that a thing that's happening here like what's going on yeah no it is it is very it is very strange because then the question becomes like what about folks like trixie oh yeah you know whatever sort of magic that pixies in this world have like right like what if it's not they haven't you know been going to school so why would anyone on her pixie side have a magical instrument in which for her to use to channel her magic so yeah i mean so yeah there's got to be a way to make new ones i don't know maybe the trial and error of it is too annoying because hmm. it's like so it's like penny has like a family heirloom and so does baz then it's like Okay, we all, so so this like the idea. I I'm assuming the idea would be like, all right, we know for sure that <laughs> people in our family have used this to channel magic. It's probably gonna work for you. Mm-hmm. And like, maybe if you're making a new one, you gotta be like, mm, who knows? Hmm. It, but it does seem like that might have been a worthwhile direction for Simon to go if his if it seems like maybe part of his issues that like his wand doesn't work super well. Or, like, doesn't work with his magic super well. I mean, I know Simon has other fucking issues with his magic going on. But, like, he doesn't know that yet. Right. I don't know. Yeah. It's, I mean, I don't think it's a question that gets answered. But I do find it, like, curious and interesting to think about. Because, like, belt buckles, for instance, are not a super old invention. So Gareth's was presumably made, you know, maybe much more recently than Baz or Simon's. Yeah. Or maybe his family just didn't like him as much. And they're like, you're going to have this belt buckle. Yeah, but it's still created. Yeah. yeah, yeah Sometime yeah. more recently. Mm-hmm. Like, where did Penny's family, she has so many siblings. Where did they come up with enough things that people, histor- like, yeah. that work to channel magic that they could give to all of their kids? Yeah. Yeah, I think this is, like, all really excellent questions. And it's, like, interesting because it's, it doesn't seem like, at least not that we know of, it's, like, Penny has this ring, and there doesn't seem to be necessarily anything particularly special about this ring besides it being a family heirloom. Like, it doesn't seem like it's, like, made of a special kind of magical metal or, like, a 
you know, with the like really witchy like stone in it. It's just like this works. I mean, both Simon and Baz have bone and wood wands. Mm-hmm. So mm, Baz wait. is leather and ivory. Leather and ivory. I was like, it's like brown and white. I'm like, I was like my brain. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I mean, ivory is technically bone, but yeah. Yeah. So something that people have used historically as like magical talismans. What else do you have here? Uh, I just have a couple of things left. Okay. Uh, the first thing is that, I mean, not that we needed it before, but we get confirmation that Baz is a vampire, mm-hmm. obviously. But like a little bit of like different vampire lore, I would say, than a lot of other more contemporary vampire media has taken on. And that like, at least one of the first things that we've learned that I think is different is that Baz says he needs both regular food and also blood to survive. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's obviously spent a lot of time in that coffin only eating blood and like was clearly like starving <laughs> right. when he got out. I found that very interesting. I feel like a lot of other vampire media makes it very clear about vampires only eating blood or only mm-hmm. consuming blood. I always like to see people's different people's different takes on like stuff like this. Yeah, I, I think that it also helps us like humanize Baz some you know helps him be like a more relatable character like similarly to the way that the fact that spike eats even though he doesn't have to i think helps us relate to spike more where it's like oh you're cute you like buy weedabix and like like blooming onions that's like a very and like hot wings right like doesn't he yeah. make buffy buy him hot wings at some point and it's like you don't need that you just want it and that's like very human of you mm-hmm. yeah much less terrifying inhuman creature and more like oh yeah i also love fried things right exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah oh man that fucking scene where baz like pukes up the burger is like rough oh it is rough, but I just want you to imagine, like, I mean, there probably aren't as many drive throughs in the UK as there are here in the US, but just, like, imagine, like, Fiona and Baz, like, pulling up to, like, a drive through window, and, like, Baz is in, like, this, like, disgusted, filth-encrusted, like, tennis outfit, and Fiona's probably wearing, like, something beautiful and witchy, and, like, like, like a fucking goth, and they're just, like... And the person in the window is just like, what is happening? <laughs> just like panning over this sack of burgers being like, what? Yeah. Ooh. And Baz is in back, too. <laughs> uh, just gonna it shake just your looks head. like Fiona's like kidnapping. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, the opposite. <laughs> that person's like, I don't get paid enough to care, but what the actual fuck? <laughs> yeah. And this fancy ass car, too. Right. Know, that's really funny. <laughs> <sighs> yes, yeah, so I'll have about that. I will definitely be pointing out more funny vampire things about Baz in later chapters. Mm-hmm. But, uh, just a few final things. We get three new spells, this, these spat of chapters. Um, we get healing spells, mention of them, uh, early to bed and early to rise, and get well soon, which I don't know why that makes me laugh to just think of someone saying get well soon over and over again, but it does. I mean, it, it's funny. It's like, okay, cool, a greeting card is, is helping you. That's shocking. But it makes so much sense. It really, it really does. It, it makes you wonder how much Hallmark has, has inf- like affected the magical world. Probably way more than we want. 
That's my <laughs> guess. <sighs> yeah. And then stand your ground, which is what Fanny uses to... Was it encase Simon's feet in dirt? She, like, glued his feet to the ground. Which is pretty funny. <laughs> it's, like, not, like, dangerous. It's just really fucking annoying. <laughs> I'm just like, what was the point of this? It's just a jerk move, really. Yeah. Like, you could trip somebody with that really well. I feel like kids must cast that on each other all the time. When oh, they're, like, waiting yeah. in line for the, like, food buffet or whatever. Constantly. That's gotta yeah. be, like, one of the biggest prank spells at Watford. I'm not just imagining all the, like, ridiculous phrases that are probably just pranks at Watford. I can't actually think of any, but it amuses me to, like, think of, like, 11-year-olds doing these very benign curses at each other. Mm-hmm. As opposed to trying to murder one another like they do at Hogwarts. Right, exactly. I'm done. I'm, I'm good. I'm done with my okay. section. I, like, did a bunch of research on crucibles and was like, this isn't interesting. I'm not talking about it. <laughs> So let us uh, say thank you for listening to this episode of Escape from Reality. Next week, we will be reading chapters 32 through 35. Don't forget to check out our Harry Potter podcast, The Gaily Prophet. Uh, You should definitely check out our interview with Chuck Tingle, who is an incredibly lovely soul. Yeah, you can find us all over the internet uh, through our other podcasts. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Gaily Prophet. That's our website is thegailyprophet.com. We have a Tumblr, which is The Gaily Prophet Podcast. You know, follow us. Follow us. We're really good at social media. You're going to have a great, great time. You should also please, pretty please, rate and review us, especially on iTunes. It's very helpful uh we're creeping up with the reviews but they it's been a little bit since our last one please rush out leave us a review right now it makes us happy yeah uh, it makes us happy and every new listener is a potential patron because we are bringing you this here podcast ad free supported by our very kind patrons and if you want to be one of them you can check us out on patreon.com slash the prophet or make a donation at our website, thegailyprofit.com. You can find me on the internet on Instagram at Lark Malachi, which is L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I. That's also how you spell my website, where you can get a tarot reading from me if you want one. Uh, you can find me yelling about political things on the internet <laughs> on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit or on Instagram at Live from Detroit. Our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester. The music in our theme song is by Kevin McLeod. The rest of the music in this show is Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. But I'm pretty sure I'm going to do a funny thing with Wet Ass Pussy also. So that's by Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion. In case you didn't know. Please also, when you end this episode, watch that video if you have not yet. It is amazing. And until next time. Yeah, you fucking with some wet ass magic. Bring a bucket and a mop with this wet ass magic.